Cool. Well, hey guys, welcome. Um, my name is Sammy Reds. I'm the campus minister here. And uh, so we've been going through this series on relationships. I'm going to move this stuff. Um, and basically, uh, we're looking like, does Jesus have anything to say uh, about our relationships? And we've, <laughs> we've said yes. The answer to that is yes. So we've been reimagining our relationships kind of week by week. And uh, the last couple of weeks we did friendship. We talked about that for a couple of weeks. And now we're getting into uh, what's a really fun and awkward and difficult couple of uh, talks about dating. Now, let me kind of say from the outset, here's how we're going to do it, is uh, I'm going tonight, again, big view picture. I want to kind of talk especially about dating and our fears and why I think there's so much insecurity and frustration and confusion about the way that we date. I shouldn't say we. I'm married, happily married, going on 12 years, and uh, it's a good thing. But uh, for you guys. And then we're going to take a, a week break. I have a friend coming to preach for us next week, David Gentino. If you go to CPC, he's going to come preach for us. Um, and then we're going to pick back up and finish our part two of dating in two weeks. So tonight what I want to do is dive in and talk about dating and our fear. And then in two weeks, we're going to talk about dating and what I want to call our freedom. And I'm going to explain that as we go. Um, let me say a couple of things as we kind of think about turn our minds to the subject, if you will, of dating, the topic of dating. Here's the first thing. A couple things I want you to see. Here's the first thing. The, uh, the Bible does not, like, we're not going to turn to a passage of the Bible tonight, and you're going to see, oh, here's what Jesus says about your dating life. Like, it's just not there. Like, the Bible does never, anywhere in the Bible, specifically talk about dating. Uh, so part of what this means is if you ever come across a book or a person who says, I, listen, this is the way you should date, please run like as fast as you can. What you're going to get tonight is not this is what the Bible says exactly about how you should date. What you're going to get tonight is what the Bible calls in the category of wisdom. Here's what I think, because the Bible does have principles for us that I think apply to dating, and we're going to talk about that. But what I'm hoping to do tonight is simply start a conversation. Like, I'm expecting you to kind of disagree maybe with some things I'm saying. This is this goes for every week, but especially when it comes to a, a topic of, like, the Bible doesn't speak specifically to, it especially applies there. So I want you to know, like, I want you to feel free to push back on me. I'd lo- I hope to start a conversation. I would love to grab coffee or um, grab lunch with you, grab breakfast, go on a walk, which might sound weird, but let's do that. I'm into walks. It's, it's good exercise for me, old man exercise. Here's the second thing. When we come to talk about dating, part of what's hard is all of us hear it differently, but almost all of us, if not most of us, hear it through the filter of shame. Shame is any time we, we feel about ourselves um, like we hate ourselves, like we wish we were someone else. Um, there's shame for a lot of us because some of us bring the shame of, of sexual sin that is part of the relationships we've been part of. Uh, some of us bring the shame of not dating anybody, the shame of, of singleness, some of us bring the shame of being freshly rejected or freshly broken up with. Some of us bring uh, the shame simply of feeling lonely and like no one finds us attractive or no one wants us. And what you need to hear is that Satan is fluent in shame, but the Holy Spirit is fluent in conviction, and there's a huge difference there. Part of the way you know the Spirit is moving in conviction is it doesn't make you hate yourself. It makes you hate your sin. And so I want to be really, really careful. Like, can we just admit, even for me, like, as I was writing this, like, I was doing the PTSD thing of some horrific, one horrific dating relationship I had in particular before I met my wife, and even the horrific way that I dated my wife. So can we just embrace that I'm not trying to crush you, 
that Jesus, Jesus is not trying to crush you. He's inviting you into this conversation. One of the sweetest verses in Scripture is in Isaiah 1 where he says, Come, let us reason together. He invites you into this conversation. That's what I want to do uh, in these two, this two-part series. And then the third thing I want to say is so much of what I'm saying tonight is totally shamelessly stolen from one of my friends, Brian Sorgan Fry who also is shamelessly stolen from all kinds of RUF guys, Les Newsome, Britton Wood. So this is not at all original to me. So you just need to know that from the outset. All right, with that being said, let me read a couple of verses. I want to pray for us, then we're going to dive in. All right, two verses. Genesis 1 first, uh, Genesis 1, 26, 27. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. And then secondly, 1 John 4.18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Let me pray for us, and I want to dive in to what I want to talk about tonight. Let's pray first. Uh, Jesus, would you meet us in this place, um, Psalm 112, with this weird room. Would you meet us here, and would you be the one who reasons with us? Uh, would you be the one who does? Uh, Lord, I thank you that you're not afraid to confront us, to convict us, uh, to disappoint us because you love us. I thank you for that. Would you do that in our midst? But Lord, I also thank you that you're the God who says you're very uh, near to the brokenhearted, uh, that you are a God who, even though you dwell in high, you dwell too with a low in spirit. Or would you give us humility tonight uh, to admit that maybe our ideas about dating have been wrong, have not been shaped by you? Um, would you meet us in this place and, and help us to trust you with this part of our lives? Lord, Lord you, you claim authority over every part of our life, but we admit that this is one that is so, so hard. Um, would you be the one who's gracious to us to begin to loosen the grip of our hands that we might freely give to you this part of our life, our, our dating life, our relationships? Um, Lord, we, we're hopeless and helpless apart from you. Would you be uh, at work in us tonight? We pray these things, Lord Christ, in your name. Amen. So one of uh, favorite, one of my favorite movies, honestly, and then I think still to me one of the best movies that gets at the frustration and chaos and insecurities of dating is 500 Days of Summer. I know it's a little bit dated. But where I want to start tonight is this conversation between Tom and Summer where they've started doing that thing where they're friends kind of with benefits and they're hanging out all the time and they're like crossing some of those boundaries and finally Tom breaks and here's what he says. It's in your handout. He he's just breaks down and he says, I, we don't have to do the labels thing, but he says, I need to know that you're not going to wake up in the morning and feel differently. And then Summer in classic Summer fashion says, and I can't give you that, no one can. And when I heard that line, I thought, this is exactly what is so hard about dating. <laughs> is that person, that boyfriend or that girlfriend, there's no security. There are no promises. There are no guarantees that that person can't wake up in the morning and totally decide they don't like you anymore and move on. There are no promises. There are no guarantees. It's different than marriage. Like when I got married to my wife, to my wife we stood in front of 200 people and we promised each other. We said, regardless of how we feel in the morning when we wake up, we promise to love each other. For richer, for poorer, for sickness, or for, for, you know, for sickness and health, for better, for worse, we're going to love each other. It's not a feeling, it's a promise. And dating, if we're, can we just start with this, that dating, by definition, has zero promises. You, you make no promise. Maybe the only promise that we can say you can make to each other is you promise to either tell the other person when you stop liking them, or to tell the other person when you start liking someone else more. 
Like, that's the only promise you have, really. And so can we just say, when you really think about it, what I'm trying to get to, to us to do tonight is just think about this thing, dating, that we make all kinds of assumptions about, but we rarely think through what we're doing and even think through the assumptions that we've made. But where I want to start is to say, we should, by definition, dating has to make us feel insecure. It brings us all kinds of fears. That's why even as I was working about on this and thinking back through my relationships, my dating relationships, really too, um, one girl I was sure I was going to marry, and then my wife, which we'll, we can talk some about that. But, it, I mean, like, literally PTSD, thinking about, oh, man, like, I, I really did that. Like, I really did do, like, I really had my wife, like, I walked around the horseshoe tonight before, just, pr- like, I don't want to say, that sounds super spiritual. Really just trying to get some exercise in, and kind of prayer walking. That sounds way spiritual. Prayer walking is great. <laughs> now, I'm, all right, free of that. So... <laughs> But there were times where I would, like, in a fit of jealous rage, like, run, into, like, run walk to the horseshoe, <laughs> praying, hoping that Alyssa would chase me. And she usually would chase me. And then we'd sit somewhere in the horseshoe and, like, hash out, like, you didn't pay enough attention to me at the party. And I would be, like, crying. And she'd be like, I'm sorry, I'll pay you more attention next time. How do we get there? You've been there. How, how do we get there? Dating brings all kinds of fears, and that's what I want to do. So tonight, I'm talking about dating and our fears, and then two weeks, we're going to talk about dating and freedom. This is sort of the bad news. Like, you have to understand, toes will be stepped in tonight. That's fine. You can hate me. It really is fine. I mean, I love to be liked, so it's not really fine. <laughs> but it is fine, because I want you to love Jesus more than I want you to like me. And then next week, we're going to talk more positively dating and freedom. But tonight, think with me about dating and our fears. And here's what I want to start. It's just saying that, that dating feels almost impossible to define. Like, the thing that makes dating so maddening is what is dating? Like, when I ask that question, what promises have you made to each other in dating? And this is what I want to think through a little bit tonight. And here's why that's such a big deal. This is where that first passage is really, really important. When we read that God, I don't know if you caught it, that when God says, let us make man in our image. Part of the us is what you have to understand about relationships. We said the very first week, you, have, you can't understand yourself unless you understand that God is a trinity, that from all eternity he's existed as Father, Son, and Spirit. That means the Father has always loved the Son as the Father, and the Son has always loved the Father as the Son, and the Holy Spirit has always loved the Father and the Son as the Holy Spirit. There's this definition of relationship, this, this understanding of roles. The Father does things differently in redemption than the Son does. You can read Ephesians 1 all about this. The Son does things differently in redemption than the Father does. The Spirit does things differently in redemption than either the Father or the Son do. There's this beautiful love from all eternity, but here's what I want you to get, is that doesn't just mean that you were made for relationships and can't exist happily without them. It also means that those very relationships beg for definition. What does it mean? It, what, how do we define and understand our roles within this relationship? And this means that relationships beg for definition, and they thrive. You've got to understand this. You've got to get this. They thrive when you honor the definition that the relationship holds. All right, so let me just give you an example of this. So I've been thinking a lot about this, parents and kids. So a parent-child relationship thrives when the child speaks respectfully and listens obediently to the parent. It withers and starts to break when the child is rude as crap and will not listen and disobeys every single thing that the parent says. Conversely, a parent-child relationship thrives when a parent listens and nurtures their child. It withers when that parent brings something like anger or abuse 
inappropriate sexual touch. <laughs> when, it, when you bring something that dishonors the relationship into the relationship, the relationship begins to wither and break down. Now, why is this important? Because <laughs> here's, where, here's where this is important. If we can't even define what dating is, how are we going to ever begin to honor the definition? And so I want you to think with me just for a little bit tonight. Well, how can we get to something like a definition of dating? Can we get to something like a definition, a working definition, that helps us learn how to honor it as we date each other? Which I'm going to really advocate. That I want you to date each other like, well, I was going to say like rabbits. That sounds weird. Date each other like crazy. I want a lot of dating to be happening. We'll talk about that because that shocks some of you, and I hope it does. All right, so here, so let's just think for a second. Let's, if we slow down the dating process, maybe this will help us some. What is happening when someone begins to date, when a couple begins to date? There are four we've observed. I don't know who we is. Um, RF pastors have observed. I think we could break down a dating relationship into four distinct stages, and here they are. Think with me for a second. Here's the first stage, when, when a couple begins to form and date. Um, I'm also doing this a lot tonight, and I'm sorry for that. Um, number one, here's what happens, is you notice the other person. That other person just catches your eye. You see something in them. Maybe it's a personality trait. Maybe it's their appearance. They're just For some reason, the person catches your attention, and you notice them. And you would like, in the words of Reese Witherspoon quoting Cheryl Strait, to, to put yourself in the way of their beauty, just to be around them a little more. So maybe you'll like, you know, if they work at Starbucks, you'll just happen to drink a little more Starbucks. Or if they you know, hang out with a certain friend group, you'll just happen to show up at those parties a little more, right? You just throw yourself around them because you've noticed them. You're begging that they notice you, but either way, something is beginning to happen. This is for me and Alyssa. It's fun to like think through these stages for us. What I'm for, uh, my wife and I, was, she was a friend of my roommate on the hall, and so she just happened to come hang out, and I can tell you like, what she was wearing. She was wearing this, like, sort of Gap, it had to be like Gap or Banana Republic, little, like, it wasn't, it was in style, you, like, you're judging, I can feel you judging, it wasn't a turtleneck, it was some sort of, like, sort of classy, like, shouldered cream top color with jeans and these boots, and I just thought, who is this? Who is this lady? <laughs> who is this lady in the hall here? And I noticed her, right? Uh, I was like, who is, and I remember asking my who was that? And he gave me the, they had actually, she's not here, so I can say they actually kind of low-key dated. She hates when I say that. <laughs> but it's so true. Anyways. Uh, right, first stage, you notice each other. Stage two, this is what we call low-key flirting, right? This is where you, maybe you, you just hit the friend button on Facebook, see what happens, Maybe you start casually sending a snap their way. Um, maybe you, not maybe, you definitely scroll to the utter depths of their Instagram, <laughs> like praying that you don't heart anything accidentally. <laughs> Just praying, but also stalking them. Maybe you get their number somehow, you start texting a little, start, you know, then that gets, how do we do that? We'll talk about this in a second. Um, some of you are incredible at low-key flirting. Some of you are horrible at it. Either way, you begin to do it, right? Uh, for us, Alyssa came with us, my friend group, to the movies. I, like, accidentally happened to sit by her, you know, like we do. And uh, she was, like, asked for money for a Sprite, and I went and got her a Sprite. And then she, like, shared the Sprite with me, and which I think was probably some pheromone exchange, which locked the deal down, you know what I mean? Um, 
And then I remember ran, running into her at a, at a party that she came to, and I sort of low-key said, hey, your birthday's coming up. She told me that. I was like, if no one is there to take you out, can I take you out? Which was a really immature way to ask her on a date, essentially, which we will also talk about. All right, so, so stage one, you notice the person. Stage two, you've done the low-key flirting. Stage three, you begin to enter into what I just want to call isolation. All right, what I mean is you start spending some, some QT one-on-one time. And this is where either that you, like, as a guy, you either have the guts to, like, flip rejection the bird and ask her out on a formal date, which I'm a big, big fan of. Just a big fan of using the word date, like, asking girls out on dates and having the guts to be rejected. And I know how hard that is, and I probably have forgotten how hard that is. Or you do the thing, if you're not going to have the guts to do that, where you, like, are at a party and you just kind of manipulate the situation where your friends know what's up and they kind of leave the two of you alone to talk all night. That's another way it happens. Either way, you're beginning to isolate. And here's the thing. We have to admit at this stage, everyone knows, like everyone is noticing. Like I know sometimes you think no one's seeing it, but like trust me, everyone is not only seeing it but talking about it, like especially in RUF. RUF is way too small for not everyone not to notice and talk about it, which sucks for some of you, I know. <coughs> but it's like even the ladies at Russell House are like talking about it. They're like, you see... What's happening here? Like, what's going on here? Um, for Alyssa and I, this is, and this is also, this, we need to say at this stage, usually what's happening is you, both of you, one of you, is like, what the heck is going on? Like, we're hanging out. We're spending time together. Do we need to do, is DTR a thing anymore? The, the DTR, where you define, that we need to define the relationship. It's not a thing anymore. Man, that makes, it is a thing. All right. Well, I still feel old. So the way this worked for Alyssa and I was, I remember driving over to South Tower because I was too lazy to walk. Going up the elevator and saying to her, Alyssa, I really think we need to have the DTR, to what she said. What is a DTR? I didn't grow up in the Christian world, to which I felt shame, and then, then proceeded to define the relationship. Hey, what are we doing? Are we dating? Yes, we're dating. I like you. You like me. Cool. We didn't have Facebook back then, so it didn't get Facebook official, but now we're getting in. All right, here's where I want to really slow it down and start to think, because what, what changed after that moment? That we just like said, hey, world, we're dating. But like there were still no promises or guarantees. Like the only thing that we could say is that means to us, oh, you're exclusive. If Sammy starts to like hang out with some other girl, he's cheating, we're gonna question that. Not because I wanna do that, but because I want you to see like there's no, like the way that we define dating gets real imported. And what we do is because we don't know how to define it, the only category we have is we make dating like a mini marriage. And dating can't be a mini-marriage. And I'm going to talk about why. So stage four, we've declared it to the world, this thing, we're dating now, and this is where it gets confusing. Because what does it mean that we're dating now? So for us, for Alyssa and I, it meant lots of fights. It meant hang out or party. I was the emotionally... How do I say this? I, I was the emotionally gentle one. That doesn't sound right. My boss will say I'm the emotional woman in my relationship. <laughs> so just put that out there. I can own that. So I was always insecure. And so I was the one where if she was off at a party, like, paying other people attention, I was, like, fuming. I was, like, fume-pouting, you know, where I'm, like, mad and pouting and wanting. And then I would really double down, like, I'm going to stay put to see how long. I don't know if you've ever done this, but I'm going to see how long she'll not notice me. 
And then when she finally does, man, she's going to get it. So that's where we would do like the horseshoe chases. Um, this is where your insecurities, here's what I'm trying to get you to see. Here's where your insecurities start to rise up. Here's where you probably do this thing where you're like, okay, she, she was texting me or he was texting me like, like stream face emojis, three in a row, but now he just texted me one sprinkle face emoji. What does that mean? Does that mean he's changed his feelings about me? Does that mean she's changed her feelings about me? Because let's just be honest, this person that you're now dating could absolutely wake up tomorrow and totally change the way they feel, either because they just stopped liking you or because they met someone that they like more. And so we do this thing where we begin to take our insecurities out on the person we're dating. Can we just be honest? Like, I began to take all of my insecurities out on my wife because I was wanting this thing to have the security of marriage, but it just can't. So let's, start, let's talk about that. Because this, this is, we, because we don't know how to define it, we turn these relationships into what I want to call mini marriages. And we bring marriage-like expectations and marriage-like behaviors into a relationship that cannot hold marriage-like promises and marriage-like security. Um, here's, we do it a couple different ways. Just think, of, think with me for about a few of them, just three, really. One we could simply call ownership. We do this weird thing where we start acting uh, like this other person kind of belongs to us or we have a right to them. Typically, it plays out in two ways. Uh, sometimes we feel like we have a right to their stuff. So this is the weird point, and if you do this, we can laugh. We can laugh, right? We can laugh about ourselves. But it's like when the guy starts driving the girl's car or the girl starts driving the guy's car, it's like that weird thing where you're like, oh, you're saying something weird here. Or when you start saying over your, each other, uh, each, uh, staying over, wow, at each other's places or like, do, like you know, doing things. Um, the other place that happens is when we start doing things with, with each other's bodies that don't actually belong to us, but we act like they do belong to us. And this is where, if we're being honest, there's where it's hard to talk about this because there's shame for us. There's shame because we, we've gone places that we never thought we would go. And what's happening is we're bringing marriage-like rights into a dating relationship. We're, this person doesn't belong to me. We have not said, for the rest of my life, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, I'm yours and you're mine. We've not said that yet. And yet we act like we have. The second way is what I just want to call demandingness. Uh, you start demanding certain things of the other person. Uh, you demanding that they pay you more attention than anybody else. You demand that they spend more time with you than anybody else. You demand, this is what I did all the time, you demand that they stop being friends with that guy or girl. You demand that they start, I mean, like even for me, like you stop having any other, any other more important friends than me. You start making unreasonable demands, or can we just say marriage-like demands, into this dating relationship. And another way we do it, the last way we do it, is what I just want to call exclusivity. As you see and define yourself like you're married, and so you're an exclusive couple, and so it rules out any idea. It's like, this is why breakups feel like divorces. Because you've so treated your, your dating relationship like a marriage, when you officially break up, it does feel like this crazy divorce, and yet, do we have a right to do that? The question I want you to ask, especially if you're dating someone, is do you have a right to treat this person like they belong to you? And I want to say, you don't. That, that, that dating is not a mini-marriage. We can talk about what it is. I'm going to get there in a second. But it's not. Can we just agree what it's not? And here's what's hard, though. Can I just, I'll be honest with you. What's hard is it feels like that. It totally feels like that. This is where I love my friend Matt Howell's illustration. I didn't know this until recently, and it really crushed me. But his illustration, did you know that Briars is actually not ice cream? This is crushing to me. 
because Briar's Rocky Road is like my favorite ice cream. And I had to actually go listen to my friend, and like, I was like, that can't be true. And then I Googled it. It is true. A few years ago, Briar's changed up their ingredients. So in all of their cartons now, it says frozen dairy dessert, which I'm like, that is some BS right there, right? You can't just decide you're not making ice cream anymore, but they did. So, but that's like dating. Dating, like Briar's tastes like ice cream. It looks like ice cream. It, it's not ice cream. You can Google it. Uh, just trust, just trust me. Trust the Holy Spirit, really. But it's not. And but dating is like that, right? It looks like marriage. It sometimes feels like marriage. And what I want you to see, though, is dating by definition cannot, is not marriage, and it cannot hold marriage-type behavior, marriage-type expectation, marriage-type attitudes. It can't. It's, if you bring something in a here again, your relationships thrive, right? Bear with me. Your relationships thrive when you honor the definition. And if dating is not marriage, but you treat dating like marriage, I promise you, some of you experience this, it's going to crush the relationship. Either you're going to put all your hopes and dreams and identity in this one person who can't possibly bear that weight and burden, or, and isolate yourself from your friends, or you're going to do that thing where because you act like you're married, you start doing things with your bodies that are only appropriate within marriage, and that brings shame, and then you feel stuck and shamed in this relationship, but it's hard because it feels like it, right? But I'm trying to see that, it, but it's not. Um, this is uh, where we have to keep keep pressing in. This is also where let me talk to those of us who maybe have crazy idealistic views of, of dating. There's still this insane pressure that we put on it because, like some of us, so if you're not, maybe you're doing the thing where you're dating and you're in a marriage, but for some of you, you're like, I'm not going to date till I'm 25. And I still want you to see that you're doing this thing where you're saying, basically, if I ask a girl on a date, it's almost like a mini marriage proposal. Like, I have to be so sure of this guy or girl that I'm not going to date them unless I'm sure that I'm going to marry them. And can I just say, what if dating, what if the point of dating is for you to get to know yourself before you even can do that? What if the point of dating is for you to do this thing where you're as two friends trying to figure out if they should get married? Which is my definition of dating, by the way. You want a definition of dating? Here it is. You're not going to like it, I promise. But I think this is like, we can argue about it. I would love to. Dating is simply this, no more, no less. It's two friends trying to figure out if they should get married. It's two friends trying to figure out if they should get married. Now, here's what happens. Like, if we believe that, here's what happens. There's this beautiful freedom. We're going to talk about this in two weeks. There's this freedom to be like, that takes the pressure off. This is what I want this to do for you. It takes the pressure off where I don't have to know what Jesus alone knows, which is who I'm going to marry. But I can't have the humility to say, this person seems pretty cool. I love the way they love Jesus. I want to explore that. If they reciprocate that, game on. That's incredible. Let's do it. And if something happens where we kind of like, I don't think this is going to work, or they meet somebody else they like, we can be okay. And I know that that sounds so easy. This is where I'm really going to push. I am for, like, casual dating. Here's what I mean by that. I don't mean the kind of dating that leads to casual hooking up. That's not what I mean. But I do mean the kind, of, the kind of dating that says, I know Jesus is so for me, and I understand that I put all this marriage-like pressure on dating, and I'm going to forget that because it's just not helpful, and it breaks things down. And so I'm going to put myself out there, and I'm going to see if the thing works. Two friends, seeing if they should get married. And if it doesn't, I'm still okay. And ideally, the other person is still okay. This is the view. We're going to talk more about this in two weeks. Um, but here's where it's hard. 
is this scares the heck out of all of us <laughs> because we want the security. We want the security of the other person waking up in the morning and promising to like us. We want the security of the other person promising they're never going to change the way they feel about us. And can we just at least admit that's not possible? That's not something that we, that's even attainable. And as soon as I think we begin to embrace the bad news of dating, we, we can open ourselves up to the good news of dating. But I'll close with this. So I was uh, thinking a lot about this. And so I was thinking a lot about my first ever real date. And it was an intense one. And this is how I know that I was trying to bring marriage-like <laughs> security into dating. So I'm 17 at the time and junior in high school. I meet this lovely lady at youth group, and she's two years younger. And I decide my friend had just gotten a girlfriend, so I was like, I need a girlfriend. He's got a girlfriend. I need a girlfriend. So I ask her out. I'm in Sumter. We go to Applebee's, which is just sad. Um, I think I got a chicken finger basket. She probably got a quesadilla of some sort. It was just really, really sad. But on the way, this is the first date. Like, this is how I knew that I was trying to bring marriage-like expectations under this poor 15-year-old lady. Is I'd gotten a card beforehand, and I just think a sweet gesture. And in that card, no joke, desperate for security, desperate for affirmation, I wrote the words, I'm not going to say her name, so-and-so. Really excited about our first, our first, this is not funny, our first date. And no joke, and I said, I want you to know that I love you, Sammy. And, like, I like to imagine she, she opened the card, like, <laughs> before we were driving to Applebee's. And, like, sometimes I like to imagine the panic that must have gripped her <laughs> as she opened this card. And I was like, Cool. I'm going on a date with this guy now. And you can imagine it didn't last. You know, that was our one and only date. We did end up dating later. Uh, I skip, but, but here's why I was thinking about that. Is I didn't love her. I didn't even know her. Like, I, I did not know her. But I so badly wanted someone to love and to love me. And can I just say that's what we do? That's what we're doing. That's what so many of us are doing. And can we just, here's, here's the, you know the answer. You know where I'm going. The answer is to say, okay, as a Christian, the only person in my life, like legit in my life, that will only ever wake up with feelings of love for me is Jesus. Like Jesus is the only person who gives you the security that no matter where you've gone, no matter where you've been, no matter where you go, no matter where you are, no matter what you think, no matter what you've done, I love you. You are mine. That's why he calls himself the bridegroom. That's why he says, I sing over the unfaithful. I'm the only one whose love for you will never, ever fail you. And here's the freedom of that. The freedom of that is, is, that's why he says to us, you can come and cast your anxieties on me because I care for you. And when you can like, rest in that, we don't have to do that desperate thing. We can actually enjoy briars. We can, enjoy, we can know that briars is an ice cream and enjoy it. Right? We can know that dating is not marriage and enjoy it. We're going to talk about more of this in two weeks. But here's what this means. I just want to, there's a question that Jesus is asking you is simply this. The, the answer is not keep dating like the world tells you to date, which is what we do. It's a script. We're going to talk about scripts in two weeks that we just, we don't have an alternative Christian script. So we follow this one because we don't know what else to do. Or we do the reactionary thing and say, dating is stupid. I'm not going to date until I'm 25. And can I say, no, no, no. Will you trust Jesus with your dating life? Will you just trust him? Stop making it marriage. Stop trying to make it marriage. It's not. But will you trust him that he loves you? And even if this thing, this friend thing, trying to figure out if you should marry this friend doesn't work out, he's got you. 
Here's what this means, really practically, I'm going to close with this. Will you trust Jesus with your dating life? Here's number one. Here's some ways that means, for some of you this means trusting him enough to break up your mini-marriage. For some of you, this means trusting him enough to actually ask that person out. You've been noticing them. You've been low-key flirting for way too long. Just ask them out. Just trust Jesus and ask them out. Three, for some of you, this means that you need to say no to that guy or girl who asks you out. Is it sexist to say that anymore? I don't even know. But can you just say no? Like, if you don't like the person, can you just say, I don't like you. Oh, that sounds harsh. Can you just say, no. Home, homeboy, I don't want to date you. <laughs> like, like, here's, like, you can trust Jesus and say that, and I promise it's going to be okay. And you, I, they might be immature. That's on them. That's what, between them and Jesus. For, and lastly, homeboy, if you get rejected, can I just say that's not a rejection of your entire being? Can I just say you're more than the person you're dating or want to date? Can I just say that, like, Jesus really is for you? He really does love you? And, like, you're more than the person you're dating. And it's going to be okay. Like, it, it really is going to be okay. I don't mean, like, Nicholas Sparks' notebook okay. What's, oh, let's talk about that in a whole other sermon. <laughs> the McNuggets of romance. I love McNuggets, but they're not real, right? <laughs> they're not real. <laughs> But they made me feel so good. But they're not real. But they feel so good. That's the tension. But what I'm going to push for, I keep pushing for in, in a few weeks, is that let's trust Jesus and date each oh, this is sound weird. And date each other. That's not right. Let's trust Jesus Jesus. And y'all let's see some let's see some date. Let's see some breaking up happening and let's see some dating happening. And I'm just going to pray for us at this point. <laughs> Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, there's a lot here. Um, some of us are, like, we can laugh at ourselves. Some of us are, are pissed. Um, and you know us. And, Lord, and we've, some of us, we've been there. I've been there. We've all been there. Would you meet us however we are, whether we're pissed or, like, bored, or whether we really are um, needed to hear this tonight. Would you uh, meet us? Continue this conversation with us. Help us to have, figure out how to have these conversations with our friends. Um, give us the friends to have these conversations with. We pray these things with Christ in your name. Amen. We all stand one last time and sing with us. All must be well.